congratulations to Jessica, your family, and Carlos Beltran. On behalf of the entire Mets organization, welcome home. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Simply Amazing. Uh, I'm Tim Ryder. Uh, we have a very special guest with us this week. Uh, with me tonight is the founder, creator, and executive editor of SNY's Mets blog, Matthew Cerrone. Matt, how's it going, man? It's going good, Tim. How are you? Doing great. Doing great. Very happy to be back. I'm still getting used to the um, the weekly episode as opposed to the two <laughs> yeah. weeks. So this I is gotcha. fun. So um, first things first, we haven't recorded since before his hiring. Carlos Beltran is the new manager of the Mets. How about that? <laughs> uh, yeah. Of course, the, uh, you know, I guess we all kind of saw it coming once Girardi came off the board. And uh, yeah, and best of all, the news was broken in part by one of our own at Metsmerize. So that's right. Yeah, it's I- icing on the cake. Absolutely. Um, so Team Brass threw caution to the wind. They're throwing all their proverbial eggs in Carlos Beltran's basket um, as inexperienced as he is. Matt, where do you stand on this? Are you psyched? Are you concerned? You know, my initial uh, stance from the beginning was that they needed somebody with experience. I wanted somebody that could just walk into the job and lead these guys into this into the next phase of of this. You know, I very disappointed that they kind of lost momentum after fifteen and sixteen. Um, you know, and that's kind of been the story over. So it's like every time there's this team that you think is really gonna you know, capitalize and, and put something, you know, a, a string of seasons together, you know, we get a couple and then there's a setback and it's a rebuild. And, you know, this time that hasn't happened yet, but you get a new GM. Now we got a new manager, you get another new manager, um, you know, and they feel like they're right on the brink kind of teetering into, into those uh, situations. And I, I was really hoping they'd get somebody like Girardi who could just come in, say, Hey guys, I got rings. This is where you find them. Follow me. Um, but they didn't go that route. And it sounds to me like that was never really in the cards because as I'd written uh, on some of the different places, uh, you know, I kept hearing early in the month that they were leaning towards Beltran. So that makes me think Girardi never really was an option that maybe they interviewed him for who knows whatever reasons, um, you know, <laughs> put on a good face. Yeah, you've seen I mean, that movie before, yeah. Of course, put on a good face. I mean, there is a. I, I did talk to somebody recently um, with another team uh, high up with another team that said, you know, that's not totally uncommon. Like you bring in somebody like that, especially if you know the Phillies are interested in them. Like bring them in and talk to them because maybe you learn a little bit, you know, some stuff. But yeah, either way, they obviously wanted to go with a first timer. My opinion, quite frankly, was you know Brody wants a name that he could sort of control and work with. Jeff Wilpon probably doesn't want another person in that room that's got a bigger ego than he does. And, you know, Fred is a very forgiving kind of, you know, family guy. I'm sure he wants to bring Beltron back and, you know, arm around his shoulder and, you know, welcome back to the family. And that's all well and good, but none of those are reasons to hire a manager. Like you want somebody who can actually be the best person for the job. Now that said, you know, I'm a hope and optimism person and I love a good storyline and it would be awesome if Beltron came and did great and so i'm i'm you know hopeful and you know who knows great communicator there's no question about that he's been through the metal you know he's been tested here right he's gone through the fire a lot he's come out the other end so i mean all that stuff is good those are all good things to have um i just you know he's never managed a game he's never even coached nothing so like that's that's a concern you know the the 
the margin for error is tight and he's going to need some. Oh yeah, I guess I'm a little biased. I was, he was my choice from the jump off. Um, I guess I, I just, I've listened when, you know, his, his friends in Houston have um, talked, have talked him up. I, I've really, when Alex Cora said so in the beginning of the season that, oh, I guess he called them um, the Yankees most important offseason acquisition. And he was only added to the front office. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think his baseball acumen is really going to play extremely well at the helm of this particular group. There's just so much talent. Uh, I think a new set of eyes on these guys and a new Cooperstown bound voice in their ears it's going to produce some exciting results. I think the culture change that Brody was talking about last season, last season, mm-hmm. oh, excuse me, last off season, um, it, it kind of sprouted roots with the, um, I guess the rapid progress of this young core um, with Beltran in the first seat on the bench and the experience, maybe not as a manager, well, definitely not as a manager, but the experience he brings just as uh, a student of the game, he's a, He's, uh, by all accounts, just a baseball yeah. genius. And um, I think that process is going to be sent into hyperdrive yeah. with a few of the guys who are here. I can, um, I can say just from firsthand experience watching them, you know, in spring trainings and in, during the seasons and in the clubhouse and before games and even after games. I mean, he put in tons of time. That was always impressed me. He put in times after the games talking with guys. Yeah, I can distinctly remember him standing like in front of a mirror with Angel Pagan, you know, bat in hand gone with the bat and you know this is hours after the game after press conferences you know talking with him about his swing and working you know so like that's obviously where carlos's head's at all that stuff is awesome i don't have i mean i think he's going to be really good my concern just is and you know how this goes it's that you know mid-may losing streak where the media gets all excited and they just start going wild with questions and the fans are getting real you know restless and like at that moment it's one thing when you're in the outfield and you're one of 25. It's another when you're at the mic twice a day having to answer all this stuff. And fans who adored you are now getting a little concerned. And like that particular moment worries me a little bit. But, you know, let's let's hope they're, uh, you know, 50 and 10. And that's not an issue. <laughs> a long season there's going to be plenty of ups and downs i'm sure we're going to see him um i'm, I'm sure we're going to see him in that position because there's oh, going to yeah. be tough times there always are and there um, are yeah really? there are no. <laughs> not in this city not in this town no way <laughs> um i think that how he responds in those spots is gonna you know of course it's gonna quiet down his his doubters um on this side of the of the clubhouse as far mm-hmm. as the fan base and the media um i think him I guess the accountability factor, I would hope, is going to play well with the young players who are in the clubhouse. Like, you know, your Confortos, your McNeils, your Alonzos. Um, you know, not to say that Callaway had such a huge, um, I guess, uh, 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 how, how should I put it? He wasn't affecting their day-to-day, I, I guess, presumably all that much. But, you know, you have to think that with a a, a guy like Beltran, who has such an attention to detail as, as we've heard um, giving these guys just that in my eyes, hopefully that little extra, Oh, Hey, keep an eye out for this. Or, Hey, if mm-hmm. the guy's doing this with his glove, it's going to be a change up coming or something to that effect. And um, I think just that, that side of his experience is going to really, really play well here, but, but we shall see. The, yeah. The few conversations that I've had with him were always about um, kind of nuanced stuff. So like, I was just, I think I did an interview about this recently, and this was really encouraging to me. 
because uh, it's something that I've been moaning and groaning about for years now, which is, you know, the fielding, the defense. You know, he, I remember him saying to me, look, we're all major leaguers. We all have gloves. Like, we know how to use them. We're all here for a reason. And his argument in terms of, because I, I can't remember what year, this had to be like 09, 2010, somewhere around there, when there, you know, the roster was shifting a lot. Uh, there were injuries and things. And I, I remember him saying that the key to a good defense is just that stability in everyday players, because you need to be out there comfortable with each other and trusting where guys are going to be. And he knows where the cutoff is and knows how to back up that bag and who's going to be where and why. And, those, and that comes from playing every day and being out there together. Um, you know, and so like, it's kind of just fundamental, basic things like that, where I think he's really strong. Like as a player, that was his thing was right. The fundamentals, little things every day. He did something that helped the team win when they won. That probably wasn't in the box score. Um, you know, and cause like, that's how he was. He was a smart, heady player, you know, 30 for 32 stolen bases one season, because he just knows when to go and when not perceptive. So like, you're right to your point. Like, I think he'll see those little things and maybe bring those to the, the players when needed. I don't think he'll be overbearing because that's just not his personality. Um, and so all that stuff I think is great. You know, Callaway was like that too. He just was very reserved. He sat on his hands a lot. Um, you know, he was kind of figuring it out. And, I, and to be totally honest, I think he was just beaten down by the end of last season. Um, you know, if you go back and look at all the, the, roller coaster drama type stuff that went on through the course of the year it was pretty crazy. It was a lot of weird storylines and you know, that's just a lot to deal with. And again, like I said, I think Beltron, he's seen that stuff. Like he lived through Madoff. He lived through all the injuries, the, the call, you know, the strikeout looking, uh, you know, all the, he's been through all that stuff. Like it's, you know, anything that's going to happen is, you know, Alonzo ripping off his shirt. That's not going to be a storyline. Like he's not, none of this stuff's going to matter to him. And so like, I, that's the one thing, like I was saying, I, I, I'm glad they have somebody that at least has seen what this media core and, and this this sort of met situation can be at its worst. He's also seen pretty close to what it can be at its best. Um, and I think that probably helps. Uh, and then being able to be perceptive like that, I think, will bring a lot to the table. Oh, one would hope so. And I think um, I know the Mets, one of their biggest deficiencies last year was their defense. And yeah. I think with Beltran positioning and giving insight to guys like Conforto and Nimmo and McNeil and Davis big time. and Smith and whoever else they put out there. Um, I think it's really <laughs> Me, gonna, you, whoever. <laughs> <laughs> hey, oh, I got my glove ready, man. I'm, I'm ready to go. Um, I think that that type of insight is going to improve that aspect of yeah. the game. And if they go out and get a true center fielder, I saw Mark Simon bring up Byron Buxton as a possible trade mm. target. And mm. I'm so intrigued right now, but that's another conversation for more later in the offseason. Yeah, yeah. But um, I think that um, that's one aspect that should really, I think we can, uh, I guess, anticipate some, um, uh, some real advancements in. I hope that they bring in a good staff around him to improve um, in, I guess, other facets. I really liked what DeSarcina did with Rosario. Yeah, me too. And, um, in, in his positioning later in the in the yeah, year last under, year, he, he's he's underrated. He's a he's a smart coach. I'm I'm glad he's still with them. Yeah, no, and that I guess the defensive positioning is so important, especially mm -hmm. with the shift now. And um, I forgot who it was. Maybe it was Sports Info Solutions last year. Um, they put out a stat that the Mets are one of like I guess the worst positioned infields in baseball. And I think with the right set of eyes there and the right I guess uh, support system there. Um, 
they could really improve on these things. And I'm, I'm yeah. hoping for the best, but, but well, we a, big shall part of, yeah, a big part of that was the interchanging third baseman. And I think, you know, Alonzo was terrific in the field for what I think the expectations were, but he's a rookie. So I'm sure there's a lot of, you know, learning and moving around over there. Cano, you know, again, second base was kind of in flux. And Rosario was way off his game at the start of the season. And that first step and all that stuff, so much of that improved in the second half, whether that's DeSarcino, which I think it was. But just, you know, look, there's a point where these guys play long enough. And, you know, Rosario may just all of a sudden it just kind of clicks and you get comfortable with the pitchers, you know, when he throws this pitch and this guy's up, it's going to be here. You just get to know that stuff. Like you remember G not to compare him to Jeter, but like, you know, the end of Jeter's career, I think he could have played that position blindfolded because like, you could just tell he knew where to go. Like almost before the ball was hit, he was moving towards it. Cause you've just, you've seen it so many times it becomes second nature. And I think you saw a little bit of that Rosario last year where like he was just getting more comfortable at the position. Um, you know, and so like if Rosario, if, if Alonzo is more comfortable and they could get somebody to play third base on a regular basis. And, you know, now all of a sudden, you, again, like I was saying before, you have that routine and stability. I think all that stuff just, you know, finds its um, balance, which I'm looking forward to. It's been so long since they've had that type of team. Like, I almost crave that more than anything. Like, just give me the consistent lineup, consistent fielding, just consistency would be really, really nice. Oh, yeah. And I think winning is probably a, Obviously, a, yeah. a pretty big part of that <laughs> equation. But yeah, I mean, um, part true, of me true, wants to believe true. part of me wants to believe this is a, a new age of the of the franchise. And, um, <laughs> you know, part of me is just hoping deep down that this is not another letdown. But, you know, time's going to tell. Um, let's let's move on to some current events uh, on Thursday. Edgardo Alfonso, Mets legend, yeah. uh, spoke publicly for the first time since being dismissed as the Brooklyn Cyclones manager in October. Um, outside looking in, he's handled, he's handled this about as gracefully as possible. Um, the Mets, maybe not so much. Um, I guess Brody Van Wagenen's desire to fill out the organization with his guys, is it justified, especially after Brooklyn's championship season, Alfonso standing among the organization and the fan base? Um is this commonplace in the in the industry to, hey, new regime, we don't care who you are, we're moving you out? I guess I don't – you know, that's hard to say. I haven't looked at that close enough. What I, mm-hmm. what I can say is that, you know, Brooklyn is an interesting little uh, microcosm because it's introduction to these kids in the New York area, so that's huge. They get to see all that stuff firsthand. Uh, they're aware of what the Mets are doing kind of up close. Um, so there's a – of, of an importance on that from just a, Hey, welcome, you know, to your professional life, uh, piece. There's also the winning. I mean, winning that championship is great and everything, but really at the end of the day, that's not what the minor leagues are for unless the owners own the team, in which case they probably would like them to win. Um, you know, so it does become a little complicated. Um, it just stinks that, Edgardo Alfonso kind of gets caught in the crosshairs, but the, the beauty of Alfonso is he's never going to say the wrong thing. I mean, I, he is just remarkable how professional and classy and affable and just such a nice guy that he is like, you'd never really know like that. What he said today was probably the closest he'll ever come to like being a jerk. It's just, it's just, I don't think that's who he is. Um, you know? And so 
you make the move. Maybe maybe they want somebody that's in there that's a little bit more going to prep these kids for something. I, I have no idea what the what the rationale is behind the decision. Um, I mean, they didn't totally crap on them. So believe me, I mean, you know, people have been shown the door with the Mets in far worse ways than just being let go uh, and asked to be an ambassador. So, you know, I, I don't see it as the worst thing in the world. I just would hate there to be any kind of sort of ill will between him and the organization going forward. Because, I mean, it's Fonzie and I, I don't know a fan that doesn't like him. I mean, he's like universally uh, adored, which is very, I mean, there's, my dad didn't like Piazza. Like there's people that just don't, but like Fonzie, you know, he's, he's universal. Uh, arguably the heart of that late nineties, early 2000 team, uh, without a doubt almost. Um, but yeah, I guess, you know, welcoming, like you said, Brooklyn is a place for new players in the organization to get used to professional baseball. To me, there was no better way for Fonzie to be an ambassador for the organization mm-hmm. and to have him be the first, I guess, uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for? The, the first, first handshake. Uh, it's like, Hey, yeah, welcome. The first to the guy front, in yeah. charge yeah. is, is one of the legends of the franchise. I just, mm-hmm. it seemed like too perfect of a situation. Yeah. Um, MMO's Jacob Resnick was, he was down in, in Brooklyn last season, uh, covering the team and just, he passed along, you know, the players love him. The media loves him. He's, comfortable in all situations. Like I would like to see him move up through the Mets organizational ranks as a coach. Agreed. That, that to me was the bigger, that was what was confusing to me. I figured, okay, well, he's not going to be at Brooklyn. He's going to go somewhere else, or maybe he'll be on the big league bench. Like with Beltran. I don't know. Um, that, that to me was the weirder part was less the dismissal and more the just, Hey, go do this, you know, ambassador thing. Peace. Like that seemed strange, more strange to me than, the choice of, of, uh, cause I mean, you got to figure there's some reasoning. I don't know what it is, but like, there's gotta be a reason that they made the move. It's just odd to me that he wouldn't continue through the organization. That almost sounds like a judgment on him as a coach. Cause why wouldn't you do that? So I don't know. It's, it's confusing. Yeah. Again, I think they're all trying to keep the company line. And yeah. Yeah. They, I, I shouldn't say the company line, but they're, they're trying to have the same message brought to every level. And maybe, you know, yeah. this is just, you know, I'm just pulling this out of air, but maybe he just wasn't on board with the message. Maybe he wasn't grasping analytics. Who knows? But um, best of luck to him. I know he's he's said that he wants to uh, uh, stay in uniform. So you yeah. know, if he can't do that here, you know, best of luck, Fonzie. If you move on somewhere else, we want to see you up in a big league dugout sooner or later. Uh, moving on. Pete Alonzo uh, missed out on his first Silver Slugger Award on Thursday night losing to Freddie Freeman. Um, I guess in all fairness, Freeman had a really outstanding season. Um, That being said, Alonzo, rookie home run king, um, was the epitome of a slugger in 2019. Um, Do you think that Alonzo was shortchanged here? I guess, but you know, it's, it's, you know, you know how these awards go. It's like, it's Freddie Freeman. He's the, you know, he's the guy that, people are going to default to rookies don't always get the benefit of the doubt. Like he hit a bunch of bombs, but like, you know, his first rodeo Freeman's been around, he's been doing it and doing it and doing it, you know? So like, it doesn't surprise me. Um, Alonzo well deserving for sure. Yeah. Right. That's what I mean. It's not like he didn't deserve it. Um, Alonzo will have plenty in the future. So, you know, I think that's a lot of times how these things shake out. It's like, well, he'll get his turn. He's going to win rookie of the year. Everybody knows that. Um, so I don't think it's that 
huge of a deal. I mean, my guess is Alonzo's not losing sleep over it. Um, so I don't know that the rest of us should, you know. Oh, yeah, I, I t- totally agree. Just I, It would have been a nice feather in the cap. Of course, totally. totally. <laughs> you can't win them all. <laughs> all right. Exactly, and he will. You know, like, he will one day. Yeah. I don't think there's uh, a question. Exactly, man, just with the, with the trajectory he's on. But we'll, we'll get to Pete in a second. It's meat and potatoes time, Matt. <laughs> all right, so I figured since all I did during the 2005 offseason was refresh Mets blog, He'd be a great person to drop this little parallel I found on. Um, so in the 2005 offseason, you have David Wright and Jose Reyes, who've already both made their debuts at the time. Um, they're just kind of ready to bust out. Omar Minaya and the Mets went out and signed Carlos Beltran and Pedro Martinez that offseason, added instant credibility and a boatload of talent and potential to the roster. The next offseason, they traded for Carlos Delgado. Um those particular moves brought a young middle-of-the-road team to the next level. They won more games between 2006 and 2008 than any other National League team. One could argue that this current team is just as, if not more talented, than that 2005 group prior to their, those additions. The positional core that's in place, Conforto, McNeil, Alonzo, Rosario, Nimo, Davis, they're pretty much just waiting for an impact addition to put them over the top. The bullpen, you have Diaz, Familia, Lugo, Wilson, Gizelman. They're a talented enough group that with the right management system, they can be incredibly effective on their own. You add a couple of solid reinforcements, this could be an elite group. Uh, of course, you also need <laughs> you need the current guys to perform, but that's, again, one step at a time. Um, the rotation, even without Zach Wheeler, it's one of the best in baseball. If he rejects the qualifying offer and the Mets can't bring him back, another start is going to be needed. Again, the right guy can make a world of difference and put this team, you know, up into the upper echelon of, of major league ball clubs. So my point being, the current ownership group who embraced the young core back 15 years ago needs to embrace this core, build around it with the right parts, minor and major, and make a run at a title before this window closes. That aforementioned offensive core, they're not going to be arbitration eligible forever. Plus, with so much money coming off the books after 2020 and the minimal luxury threshold penalty for first-time offenders, the time is now to kind of spend to win. At least in my opinion, it's the only course of action. What direction, and I know we all know the track record, but what direction do you see this front (laughs) office going this offseason? Considering the kind of yeah. very small window to spend some money. Where do you see them going? Not, well, not specifically what players, but yeah, sure. are they going to make, are they going to make a real commitment? Uh, well, I, I would be shocked <laughs> that, that, if they, that, that, yeah, I mean, <laughs> they're committed to what they're doing. I don't know if they're going to go above that. No, well, I, could, I guess yeah. a financial commitment. Are they going to, <laughs> yeah. are they going to, are they going to spend more than 170, whatever million dollars on payroll? I'd be stunned if they did. I just, I mean, listen, <laughs> it's not for no other reason. I don't have any other reason to say that other than precedent. I mean, I, you know, like, what are you supposed to you know, the sun comes up, it's the sun. Like, what are you going to, you know, it's just the way it's been. So like, it's hard to imagine any of that changes. It doesn't mean that it can't or won't. I just, it's hard to imagine that it does. Um, You know, that said, there are a couple things that are, or one specific thing that is very similar to what you, uh, the parallels you were drawing, which is Omar. And Omar Minaya has an incredibly 
always had a very unique or effective way of like of leaning on Fred Wilpon in particular, um, you know, to to kind of bend his ear and, and get him to move in a certain direction. And I think a lot of the what happened in you know oh four oh five oh six that stretch uh, was that exact relationship. Now Jeff was a lot younger and wasn't as um, you know involved in what the you know what the team is doing, particularly on the you know the baseball ops side. So, you know, that's different. And I don't know, I don't think they had the best relationship, at least towards the end of Omar's uh, time with the Mets. I think, uh, you know, there were some issues between him and, and Jeff, um, you know, and I think that's in part why Sandy Alderson was brought in as a little bit more of a heavyweight, this, you know, reputable person that's going to sort of oversee this next level. But um, that's a different subject for another day. Um, but Omar's here again. And, you know, if he can sort of, Get in, and you know Brody wants to. There's no way Brody Van Wagenen wants them to hold on payroll or cut. That's he didn't leave CAA making the money he was making to come here and lay up on the roster. So, you know they've got the parts in place to kind of, you know, make the pitch. The question is how close do they want to come to that, um, you know, the collective bargaining tax? Because, you know, if they're around that 170 ish mark with the raises to the eight arbitration guys, then they're going to, they're going to either have to go close and fly close to that sun, or they're going to have to cut somewhere to then spend up. And it's hard to imagine either of those things happening, but that's just, again, my going off precedent. Um, The big question is Cespedes. And what does that look like? You know, what does he do? What do they, you know, how does insurance work? It's not as cut and dry as I think some people like to pretend it is. There's a lot. I mean, if you've ever dealt with any kind of insurance, you know how complicated it can be. So, you know, when you're dealing with 20, almost $30 million on an athlete with doctors and all these kind of things, I don't think it's as cut and dry as it seems. So how much of that can they use? Can they, um, what needs to happen for them to use it? Blah, blah, blah. What's going on with right? How does that defer? They got a whole bunch of deferrals, quite frankly. So like, it's hard to know what their operating cash is. Um, you know, so long story short, to make that parallel even, you know, you got to go get somebody like Rendon, right? Like that's the equivalent to Beltron in that era. Um, I don't know who the pitcher would be because uh, Pedro's at the end of his like Bumgarner, like that would be kind of a comp. Um, and guys like that would make a big difference. You know, Beltran, if you think about it, is not too far off from Willie because, like, he was a first-time manager player. Um, he had more experience, but, it, you know, it's a similar thing. You can you can squint and kind of see that. Um, you know, and so, yeah, it's there. I just don't know. I don't I don't think they're coming into the situation like they were back then. You know, their $100 million they spent last year, with that would be like 130 these days. You know, it's a big difference. They were coming in, they spent some some big money, but the players were there um, and the need was there, uh, you know, and there was just the right time, right place. Whether that can get replicated, I don't know. It'd be awesome. I just, you know, I'm tired of holding out hope that that type of stuff is going to happen. So, like, if it does, great. But I think it's going to be, as Brody said, quote unquote, creative, which I think we all know what that means, which is they're going to have to move money to spend money. Sorry to rain on the parade there. <laughs> no, no, no. Like, it is what it is, you know. No, I'm a realist. I'm a realist, and I'm I'm yeah. completely aware of the um of the of the track record that they've built for themselves. I, and- I love the parallel. The right, uh, Reyes, McNeil, Alonzo. Like, I get it. You know. Yeah. But- oh, there's a core okay. here, and, <laughs> and and I guess with the with the I guess 
with the money coming off next year, as I was saying before, um, it feels like it's almost like a perfect storm. Like you have yeah. this young, cheap, controllable core that, you know, starting with Conforto after 2021 or after this, uh, after mm-hmm. 2021, um, these guys are going to start coming off the board and being a lot, <laughs> a lot less cheap. <laughs> um, you know, you're going to have to lock up Syndergaard soon. You're going to have to make a decision on that soon. Um, then what do you, what you do know, you do there? What do you, what do you think? Do you, do you sign him long-term? Who, Noah? Syndergaard, yeah. Ah, I know. It's a tough one. It's harder it than really the Browns. Um, I don't trade him unless things go completely awry this year. I, I don't trade him um, until let's get through this season because it looked like he was starting to build up his confidence again, I guess, before his last couple of starts last season. It looked like he was getting there. And um, I really want to see him take off. early. I, I, I want to see him kind of work into this new – regime and um, see if they can't get a, a consistent uptick out of him because he was inconsistent at times last year. He was up and down. And um, I think selling low on that, which is I'm not necessarily selling low because the, you know, the, the price tag that would come along with a Noah Syndergaard, no matter how he performed last season, is going to be considerable, but I just, yeah, I, I hold on to him. I see, I roll the dice and I see how this group goes because it's a good group. Mm-hmm. And the way Stephen Matz pitched in the second half last season, um, you know, Degrom, he's you know pretty much just automatic yeah. now. We could just expect it. And Stroman, um, I really want to see what Marcus Stroman does over a full season in New York. Yeah, uh, I, I, you know, if they can go out and grab a bum garner, I think we could pretty much take Cole off the board. I'm still very intrigued to see whether Wheeler accepts the qualifying offer. Um, yeah, yeah, I. I it, you know, I, I didn't think it was a possibility. Jacob Resnick, who was on the show, he, he kind of changed my mind. He thinks yeah. he, he's making me think that it's a possibility he accepts it. Um, the thing with Zach is so interesting because his personality is such that, you know, I'm sh- if, I, if I know him of, I mean, I've had p- some interactions with him. I just, he's, he's a pretty anxious kid. Um, you know, I, my hunch is that he'd want to stay where he's at. You know, like he just strikes me as that player that would even maybe sign for less because, you know, he this is what he knows. He doesn't have to go to another city, learn different things like he knows St. Lucie, he knows the routines, you know, like that, I think, plays a huge factor. You know, it's funny because we say this about guys like on the West Coast who don't want to come east, you know, oh, they like to he wants to play, you know, in California, he wants to play on the West Coast because he doesn't. And it's sort of a similar thing. Like, I know he's from Georgia, but like, I just think he knows the organization and knows this. I, I I get the feeling he could be had back at a deal far less than maybe he could get from the Phillies. Cause I know that they're interested and the Braves are obviously going to be interested in him and that's a nice fit. Um, and so, yeah, maybe the qualifying offer is a good chunk of change. It gives him another year, lets him stay home, figure out what's next. Like, I, I don't know. It's a, it's a, it's an interesting one. It totally changes the just to go back on what we were just talking about. Like that would completely complicate whatever their off season budget is. I'm sure. Um, and if he walks, there's a lot of good options out there. Like there's not, you know, you don't have to get Cole, you know, you can, there's other guys down there. Odorizzi, there's different, you know, it's a nice two, three year, four year contract bunch. That would be nice to overlap a guy like Syndergaard if he walks as a free agent or if Stroman doesn't come back, like you could at least get this other person in the mix. That's not here for seven years. You know, I mean, there's a there's a nice little group there. So I think the rotation they're going to be okay with as long as they play it right. 
Oh, I think so. And, and I would love to see Wheeler back. I think that, um, that starting five would, could stand up to anybody and imagine them in a postseason series. Forget it. That'd be great. Um, and I, you know, I say this all the time. I write about it constantly and I realize it's like beating a dead horse at this point, but like, I think there's a, a, a value that has to be put on these guys that have done it here. It's, and maybe I've just watched, we you know, watched way too many players get traded or sign as free agents that completely just, you know, lose it in the lights. But like to have somebody like Zach and Conforto and Cindergaard and DeGrami give an extension to, I mean, these guys have been through it. They've, they've seen it. They played in the postseason. They played down pennant stretches. They played with the chaos of a summer. You know, they played full seasons. Even Rosario seen it like Nimmo, like all this, there's a value on those guys, even Familia. Like I get it. He was not good last year and he wasn't very good the year before, but like, you know, you bring in someone else that's never pitched in that environment. It's completely different. Familia's seen it. So I understand maybe why you want to wanted to bring them back. Cause like that stuff is important. I think it's going to be important to Edwin Diaz next year. If he's still here, which I, I think he will be, um, you know, that there's a value on that stuff. Like Zach Wheeler, you know, has been through a lot. Like he's had a lot of setbacks. He's pushed through a lot of injuries, had to answer a ton of questions about it. The fans were for him, against him, for him. Like, that's a that's important because the next guy you bring in, you know, <laughs> you don't know how he's going to react. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And I think I, I just to echo what you were saying before about Wheeler, that that comfortability of being somewhere that you're familiar with. Um, I think that puts that has to put an athlete's mind at ease when they're going out sure. to perform. It has to. Even and, if um, it happens to be in the biggest market on the planet, <laughs> you know, it's yeah. just like you wouldn't think that, but. You know, routine and, and like you said, comfortable. Like they know what to expect. When the lights go on, you know where you are. That's it. Yeah. Oh, and they they know how bright the lights can get in New York. And um, I think once you're used to that and comfortable with that, you just kind of zone that stuff out. I think that um that that at least in Wheeler's case, he's shown the ability to do that. Mm-hmm. I think him taking that one year qualifying offer would be almost like him gambling on himself. Of course, go out it always do it again yeah, it next is. year. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And, um, you know, go earn you that think, extension. Do you think they want him to take it? You think they want him to accept it? I think that Wheeler over four years is a better option than, let's say, uh, uh, Jake Odorizzi over four years. No, no, no. I mean, do you think they want him to take the qualifying offer? Yes, I, 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 I would assume so, because it's not long term. Okay, I think so that if that's the case, they, if that's the case, then you know they've got $18 million that they can spend. Oh yeah, I think when Brody says he's going to get creative, yeah, we they we might see them move out some money, but um, I I don't see their higher hmm. payroll guys being on the trade block. I see your guys like yeah. JD Davis and Dom Smith being on the trade block. Like, yeah. you don't have too many super expensive guys that you're going to be able to move them and say, oh, I'm saving all this money. Um, you know, short of who Degrom? Who, who's you know? Who else is getting big money next year? You're not going to move Cespedes. <laughs> no, <laughs> well, Syndergaard. No you know, Syndergaard's money you can move if you can get kids back that are of less money. Yeah, but like he's still traded for Mookie got, Betts, and that completely blows that out of the. You know, well, I know, but what's he going to be close to ten? Well, what what Betts is making twenty eight in arbitration? Oh no, no, I'm not. That's what I mean. I'm saying that wouldn't oh, make oh, oh. sense <laughs> from a money point of view. But like, if you could yeah. trade Syndergaard in like JD Davis for somebody that's you know you know, under contract, making little money, then it's an offset. 
um, you know, it's Cano, damn it, right? That's the guy. Yeah, <laughs> like, if yeah. only somebody around. Like, I know the Angels had, like, asked a little bit. Like, I know there's been minimal, but it's probably the same way the Mets asked about him with Seattle. It's like, well, if you pay a ton of his money, like, we'll talk about it. Um, yeah, Depoto, Depoto know, but... got that call, and he's like, "Yep, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> exactly. You, you sure can." And he started. He started off asking for McNeil. He knew what he was doing. Oh, he's yeah, like, oh yeah, I yeah. want McNeil. Uh, no, no, we're not going to give him McNeil. Okay, we'll take your two best prospects. Okay. <laughs> they knew. Oh, he knew geez. what he was doing. But uh, you know, you know, um, I, I was actually kind of um, very impressed that he came back from a that yeah. phantom torn hamstring. And he played very, very well after it. So um, I, I'm kind he of fine. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Cano is fine. It's the money. That's, you know, the player. I take the player. I mean, he's, you know, nothing well, wrong with the, him. But Before he turned it around, he, he was well, atrocious yeah. for like the yes. first two months of the season, three months of the season. Um, his strikeouts were so high. Like, he's yeah. a low strikeout guy. He's got like a 13% K rate for his career. He was up in the high 20s. It was yeah, just a foot over the ball, too. Yeah, oh, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, it looks like um, he really came around and I'm encouraged for that. And sure, it's a huge nut coming out of the payroll. But um, hey, I'm interested, to see, be, I'm interested to see what the relation because I know him and Beltran are tight. Like, it'll be interested to see what that does, like if that has any impact at all. I mean, who, who knows? But, you know, I'm nice to have a buddy managing the team, you know. It all comes back to comfortability, man. I think that's going to be a big thing. I think that relatability that Beltran's going to bring is going to be huge for this clubhouse. Yeah, um, yeah I, I'm I'm psyched, man. I'm pumped. Uh, so I, I guess in particular, bullpen, um, a, a true center fielder would probably be be helpful if they want to go for defense up the middle. Okay, okay with Nimmo. Up the, I, I, I kind of am too, bro. I, I'm going to be honest with you. The I kind of okay with that. Yeah, the options, you know, I mean, if, if they're going to get, you know, a tried and true gold glove caliber center fielder by trade, okay. But if not that, like the free agent options or any other moves, like even Betts or Jackie Bradley, I'd rather Nimmo out oh, in center. Jack, like, I like, I think Jackie Bradley Jr. with in a, the field? a change of scenery, I think with a change of scenery yeah. and the right yeah, set of eyes, right. I think he can come back. In the field, right. no, he's nothing special, but. No, I that's like what the, I mean. I, I like I'm talking about. Yeah, no, no, I get that. I'm talking about in the field. Like, I would rather Nimmo oh. probably over many of the options. So, like, at that point, I'll take a slugger in a corner if you can give me McNeil at third. I hate to trade J.D. Day. They're going to regret trading him. But if he can bring back somebody, you know, for the, ro- for the rotation or for the bullpen or whatever, you know, I think it's probably worth doing. Um, I just – I like that everyday, you know, hitter in the lineup that can move the lineup along, um, you know, in the outfield. And I take Nimmo in center. And bullpen, I'm not – I know everybody gets worked up about the bullpen is such a crapshoot. Like I'm not, I'm okay with however they probably play it. Um, I'm okay with like the right pieces. We don't have yeah. to go blow the blow them out of the water. Give me a Craig Stammen, bro. He's been sure. awesome for San Diego. Um, give me, yeah, a, don't, we don't right. even need Will Smith. Give me a Will I'm Harris. Just, like I'm I was just going to say that, like don't overpay for Will Smith. Like that's the Omar yeah. move from years ago. Like we'll give him <laughs> two years and like an option. And I, you know, like, Oh, don't the, do the, Scott, uh, the Scott show and white special. <laughs> yeah, yes, exactly. <laughs> but like that, that don't do anything crazy. You know what I mean? Like I, I'm with you on the, what you'd say. Those guys are fine. You know, like it'll be fine. And you know, you yeah. never know, like a guy like Tyler Basher, like he didn't look great, but like, that's the kind of player that like all of a sudden it clicks and everybody around the league is like, well, wait a minute, where'd they get him from? Like, how come we don't have him? Um, uh, you know, you just, right. Like it's, you've got some of those, they had a bunch of guys down there that have no business being in the major leagues anymore. Like they, if, if they missed it, 
But, you know, a kid like that, they've got other, they've got guys down there that I, you know, you don't give up on between them and some free agent signings and the guys they have. Diaz maybe gets it together. who wasn't as bad as his top line looked. Um, you know, I think they've got the right, I think they'll be fine in the bullpen. Bullpens, you know, you look, they were great for a month and a half and then they're terrible. Like that's how bullpens are. Yeah, but you know, you need those foundation guys, those anchor guys like like Diaz and Familia and, and Lugo. I mean, there's no complaints about Lugo. He's been no, he's terrific. Great. But, and Gazelman's have, better. Right. Gazelman's better than he pitched, you know. So like um, kind of metrics. Know. His advanced metrics, like his spin rate and shit like that, stuff yeah. like that, sorry. <laughs> um yeah. really, uh, off the charts. Yeah. Um you know, I, I, I think that he has an upside still. I think that like you said, Bachelor, uh Zamora. Mm-hmm. I think that you know a guy like uh, like Flexen, he, his, his he might have run his course here. He might find his way off the forty man. We'll see. Right, but um, yeah, no, I think they have options. You know, those Seawall. guys like we've been down that road. It's okay, but like you, you said, yeah. Zamora is a good example. Another guy like you can see it. He just hasn't put it together. Well, maybe he puts it together, and like that's the surprise player. You know, and like he's the one that you're like, oh great, now we're now we're a complete bullpen. But for the most yeah. part, I'm I'm with you. I think they've got. You know, as long as they got Lugo Gazelman in there, like they're they're rock solid to me for the most part. Like I think you could build around them. Yo, give me career averages from Diaz and Familia yep. and solid production from those two, and that's a core, man. That's it. That's, that's a core. So yeah, lots to look forward to. Um, I think we've touched all our bases tonight. Matt, you got anything coming out? Anything you want to plug? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I just do my, I, no, I mean, really, I, I'm at the point now where like, I just write, I send it in, you know, go about my day. It's, uh, and I like it that way. It's fun. It's easier. You know, it's, uh, it's all good. So whatever, uh, yeah, I got, I got, I got nothing for you, which is exactly how I like it. Oh, well, well, you know, I, I don't be modest, man. I read all your stuff and it's, uh, I still enjoy it as much as I did in 2005. So I appreciate that. Cool, man. Um, where can everybody find you on social media? Uh, at Matthew Cerrone, wherever you are, wherever you are, that, that, that's called brand ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> can you, can you, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, can you sense the enthusiasm? I mean, it's, 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 it's no, I mean, seriously, like I, I love every second of it and I appreciate, you know, everybody that reads and everything, we, you know, and it's to me, it's now it's, this is the good part, you know, is just sort of write and have fun and watch and get angry at TV and, you know, high five my buddies and just back to kind of the roots, which is fun. Back to being a fan. Yeah, it's great. It's awesome, man. Best of luck to you. Um, all right, guys. So I think that's going to be it this week. Uh, you guys know where to find us. iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud. Uh, subscribe. Leave a five-star review if you enjoy the show. And um, I believe we'll be back on Monday with another episode. Matt, again, thank you so much for coming on. And uh, we have to do this again soon. Absolutely, Tim. Keep up the uh, good work. Meth Rise. Thanks again, man. Have a good one. Two. Let's go, Mets, everybody. Let's go!